And so what I'm really describing is what indigenous tribes know across the globe because they're interacting with the star beings, the star visitors. They have been all through their history, whether it's Aborigines here and the Dreamtime, star visitors in North American Indians, whether or not it's the South African, Zulu. The indigenous tribes have not a problem. The problem is because we have been brought up in the last few hundred years in a scientific model that only acknowledges a meat body. And this is why that's been the biggest issue for most people on this planet is finally, when do we accept we are more than that, that we in fact have an essence, a soul, a spirit that doesn't operate within one reality at all, but is multidimensional. We all came down with a mandate, which is, I believe, a soul mandate, which is first to grow and to change and experience. But the other one is collective mandate for humanity. We've come down with a role to play in what I believe is a crucial part of humanity's evolution right now. And I believe these intelligences have been waiting for this evolution to happen so that they can connect with us in a more equal way. So we become part of the galactic community. Hello, this is Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan. Welcome to The Dr. E Show, a show exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities in areas like health and wellness, science and spirituality, quantum biology, and conscious living, so that together we can awaken the best of ourselves and create our most joyful and fulfilling lives. As a listener of this show, you are undoubtedly an outside-the-box thinker. You see life through different perspectives than most people in our world. Perhaps you're more intuitive, sensitive, creative. Perhaps you have unusual gifts, visionary abilities, or healing abilities that our world doesn't yet fully understand. Perhaps you are aware that it is your life's mission to help bring forth a new era of peace, kindness, and enlightened living on planet Earth. But being a change maker and a pioneer is not always easy. I think we can all agree. Often our world tries to make us doubt our personal experiences, doubt our visionary knowingness, and judge us as downright crazy. So if you felt the same way, I have very good news for you. My guest today is the internationally renowned researcher of cosmic experiences, Mary Rodwell. For over 30 years, Mary has researched, supported, and counseled people and families with, quote, anomalous paranormal experiences, particularly those who've had contact with extraterrestrial, extradimensional, or interdimensional intelligences. Mary is a former nurse, midwife, health educator, and since 1994, she has worked in private practice as a professional counselor, hypnotherapist, teacher, and international speaker. Her research from over 3,000 cases suggests that there is a global phenomena of, quote, star children who exhibit a maturity and a wisdom way beyond their years, including the many so-called indigos, crystal, or rainbow children, and she provides them with a place of support and unconditional love where their extraordinary experiences will not be judged as crazy. So please, 
Help me in welcoming founder of ACERN, Australian Close Encounter Resource Network, the director of experience support at Dr. Edgar Mitchell's Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, in short, free, the author of Awakening and this amazing new book called The New Human Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. Those of you on video, check out this gorgeous cover. Please help me in welcoming the legendary Mary Rodwell. Mary, thank you so much for making time out of your very busy travel schedule to educate and enlighten our audience about your amazing and very unique line of work. Edith, it's been, it's an absolute pleasure to be, have a chance to talk with you and to actually finally meet someone I quoted in The New Human um, because I, I feel very strongly I get the synchronicities. I get to get information coming to me from all different places when I'm writing and yours came up and I was fascinated to see and hear you and to hear what you were saying about your son and it, it absolutely fits with what I call the, the upgrade of the, the human um, potential now, uh, our human potential, uh, as we're, we're literally going to another level of consciousness, I believe. So thank you for the introduction. I'm not sure I'm amazing, but anyway, we'll leave that one. <laughs> well, um, I was just, I feel divinely guided to follow your work over a number of years, but also, um, just recently, I was blown away by the beautiful interview you did with my friend Mas Sajadi. It was a two-part interview that was just so, it was so grounding. And it really spoke, you, you, you're so level-headed and professional and kind and compassionate in how you deliver this information that, um, you know, I think um, whatever intelligence is behind this, they picked the right messenger for this kind of work because it is seemingly something so far out there, but yet you have such a grounding, level-headed approach to this body of work. And so I've just felt guided to read your book. And I literally exploded in joy to see my name on page 17 that just so hugely honored to be quoted and to be supporting your work. And so I had to call you up. So I'd love if you could please let our audience know how does a very conventionally trained nurse, midwife, counselor fall into this line of work? Can you take us on that journey? I'll make it brief. The interesting thing is I've often said in presentations that 40 years ago, if you'd said to me that when 40 years later from being a nurse, I'd be traveling the world speaking about aliens and UFOs, I'd have probably sent you to the nearest psychiatrist. So I've come a long way in 40 years, let's put it like that. But I was a nurse and I was a midwife for a number of years. Um, and when I had my family, I was invited to learn about counseling. And I uh, ended up being quite um, moved by what counseling can do because I realized that prevention is better than cure. Um, when you're working with someone's emotions and you realize that disease often comes from unhappiness, from stress, from all these things that you know about as a healer. Um, and I thought, well, I prefer to do prevention rather than cure. And what I also learned was the range of human experience. I worked in a medical practice for nearly five years and I got everything from grief and bereavement right through to, you know, to everyday issues, for example. But the 
what we call the supranormal or the, the multi-dimensional experiences were also people were opening up to me and telling me about, like someone would say to me, you know, sometimes I feel my dad's around and sometimes he gives me information and messages and what have you. What do you think of that? And I'd say, well, as long as you're finding that helpful, I can't see a, I can't see a problem with that. You know, as far as I was concerned, that as long as whatever they were tapping into was useful in their life, then to me, it was all part of the greater reality because I've always had this innate awareness that we were more than our physical body, that there was a, an essence, a part of us that, that continued. So for me, that was just honoring that other part of ourselves, although I didn't fully understand um, in a way that I feel like I can understand a little bit more now. But what was really fascinating was as I was working in this field, I worked with grief and bereavement, hospice, people dying. And when people are dying, they're faced with their mortality, asking me, what do you think happens? All those kinds of things. So I went into it really quite deeply, not just because I was supporting people in, in grief or knowing because they were going to die, is what about my own mortality? What do I really understand about who and what I am? And this took me into reincarnation. It took me to, to learning hypnosis and realizing that people can remember past lives and they can be profound and they can even clear phobias that have originated from another lifetime, for example. So it took me to this wider understanding perspective that not only are we having lives on this planet, but we seem to have lives uh, on this planet in previous times, but also in other planets and dimensions and you know it, it wasn't always about belief either Edith it was a they would experience it that was what was gave them the tangibility it wasn't like I'm saying you're going to experience this they would go to that place and see for themselves and experience for themselves so this wasn't me programming anyone it was them being aware enough and ready enough from the other part of themselves to see that and this, of course, was, I think, a preparation, ultimately, for the gentleman that walked through the door um, now 25 plus years ago that said, Mary, I've heard you're open-minded. For this, there's no support groups. For this, they just think you're a loony. And proceeded to tell me about waking up with marks on his body that he knew he was being taken on spacecraft. But it wasn't just him. It was his partner. It was the children and people weren't coming to the house because they thought it was demons. He said, can you help? And that was really the, the start of me going down the rabbit hole. I had been fortunate as synchronicity and you will know about synchronicity. Um, only a few weeks prior to that, I'd read the book by Dr. John Mack, the, the Harvard psychiatrist who wrote Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens, mm -hmm. who had come in as a skeptic and had done all the psychological testing and discovered that there was nothing psychologically wrong and he believed it was real. And then of course, Whitley Stryber's book, Communion, which was his first book about his own experiences. So fortunately, I had a bit of a, an understanding that this could be a reality, but I didn't know any more than that. But what was fascinating to me, the more I looked into it, two weeks later, somebody else walks through the door with the same kind of experiences. And then I, I meet a social worker, that's having experiences. And it's like this, this constant opening of doors with people coming to me. And I suddenly realized this wasn't rare at all. This was actually a lot more common than I I'd ever believed. 
And because of that, and I made the, the conscious choice that where do people go? They're afraid to go to often to professionals because they're afraid, well, are, am I crazy? And if I'm, you know, if I'm crazy, well, I'm going to be medicated or whatever, or maybe I'm not crazy. This was the big dilemma. So two things came to me as part of this. And one of them was, what can I do to help? That's what I do. Um, there's no one else out there doing this for whatever reason. Maybe I need to. And I, I created the Australian Close Encounter Resource Network. But I wanted something where people felt safe, where it was professional, where they could feel they could share without judgment all the things that you do in counselling. You provide the safe space I, um, and you honour their understanding and their experiences in the same way any counselling model, card, you know, Rogerian counselling, all of those. That was my baseline, but I expanded it maybe a bit more than, than usual. Um, but it was the same model. But not only that, it was, um, and that was why I wrote the book Awakening, was where do you go? Don't know, too scared. So I provided what I call a, a book that was a process, saying, how do I know this is real? What do I do about the fear? What do I do about whether or not I've got implants or whatever? Um, I'm noticing that I'm expanding my consciousness. I'm starting to see things I never saw before. I'm starting to see orbs. I'm starting to see energy fields. I'm starting to see spirits and other forms of intelligence. You know, what do I do about, how do I deal with it? Who can I talk to? And many are afraid to talk even to their family and friends because even though they may be honoring, they're also a bit scared by it and uh, may not want to hear too much about it. So the isolation and the fear of being different, the fear of being crazy, all those things became very obvious to me. So that was why I wrote Awakening, was to give people a map to find their way through. But what I also was noticing was how common it was that this was not just an isolated case here and there, that it was going through family lines. It was going, you know, I was noticing that someone would come to me and, and I'd say to them, as any of your other family, your siblings or mum and dad or grandparents, you know, were they a bit different? Did, you know, did they ever look as though they, you know, were more sensitive, more intuitive, more, oh yes, granddad was always into UFOs, or mum, mum was a bit, you know, clairvoyant, and we always thought she was a little bit crazy, and there's, there are your family lines, right away, okay, one or both, so you could see the family lines, and then it was, okay, they may have interpreted it differently, often those in older generations were considered a bit strange, a bit weird, or even crazy. Um, whereas the later generations were perhaps not always having such difficulty. But even so, up to recently, you know, you talk about being grounded with this. I think the more you open up multidimensionally, the more grounded you need to be because you've got to integrate both your physical reality and your multidimensional one. And most people will honor that they have intuition or they may see things other people can't see. This is very much our human condition. The only problem is that most of us in the Western world, not the indigenous world, but the Western world are programmed into a reality that says you can't see that. 
that's not allowed. <laughs> you can't see spirits, you know, you can't see energy fields because that's, that's not allowed unless you can physically sense it with your senses, then it's not real. And so we have this dysfunctional society that is going around dismissing that part of their reality because that's crazy, isn't it? Other people don't see it. Therefore, I must be crazy. And if I talk about it, I must be crazy. So I'm not going to say anything. So we go round with um, a Western society that I believe is schizophrenic because they've got the 3D reality that is the only one they're allowed to have. They've got this other reality, but nobody ever talks about, I'm not going to talk about that. I can't say that I'm seeing an elephant when nobody else is seeing an elephant. So they, the only time they start to come out of that box is when they come and see me or they start to accept that there are things going on that, um, that finally is part of their reality. And that is often when they get in touch with me because they may see a UFO. They may see, you know, uh, a being in their bedroom. They may um, start to see more energy around them. They may see auras. They may see orbs of light. They may see beings. And they come to a point where they have to deal with it. It's almost like now's the time. I've got to work out whether or not I'm crazy or whether or not this is a reality. Mm -hmm. And the fascinating thing is, Edith, is that this can happen not just through seeing a UFO. This can happen when somebody has a shamanic experience, for example. Um, uh, you know, they may take ayahuasca and see another reality. They may um, start to do Reiki and that opens them up to that greater reality. They may, um, it might be another kind of healing or whatever that they're doing. They may just meditate and, and want to expand their spirituality, for example. They may start to have out-of-body experiences or have a near-death experience. So it's not just seeing a bright light in the sky and, and saying, well, that might be a UFO. This can happen to anyone through a certain life shift or um, in, in terms of what they're exploring in their spirituality. Then they start to open up to their multidimensional reality, which is part of being human and is part of our heritage. And they start to realize they're not only seeing spirits and energy fields, but they're seeing non-human intelligences and they may be all forms. And, you know, people say to me, um, what kind of forms? I'm saying, well, you name it and people will see it from not only, you know, light beings, some will see angelic beings, some will see what they call spirit guides, but you'll also see maybe um, different figures um, that used to be called the gods and uh, blue beings, uh, cat and feline beings. You'll see crystalline beings. In fact, as many civilizations as you could possibly imagine them forms are what people can see. And this is children as well as adults and grandparents. It can be a whole range. And as you've mentioned, interdimensional, extra-dimensional, trans-dimensional, um, beings from our future, and possibly others I haven't mentioned here. We don't even know yet about the different types of intelligence or consciousness that we're interacting with, but until we acknowledge it, we can't start working it out. And so what I'm really describing is what indigenous tribes know across the globe because they're interacting with the star beings, the star visitors. They have been all through their history, whether it's Aborigines here and the Dreamtime, 
star visitors in North Amer American Indians, whether or not it's the South African, Zulu, who's talking about the mantis beings as being the ones that teach them, a master geneticist. The indigenous tribes have not a problem. The problem is because we have been brought up in the last few hundred years in a scientific model that only acknowledges a meat body. And this is why that's been the biggest issue for most people on this planet is finally, when do we accept we are more than that, that we in fact have an essence, a soul, a spirit that doesn't operate within one reality at all, but is multidimensional. Wow, that was such a beautiful, brilliant intro. The first question that came to mind is, many of us listening, we are open-minded people, but at the same time, we're also aware that we've been programmed by Hollywood and TV imagery, and um, the moment we hear UFO, these three letters, we think of scary abductions. We think of our body autonomy being violated implants that we didn't agree to, experiments that we didn't agree to, we get so triggered and we're already feeling traumatized that we can't get past that to really hear the rest of the message. Is there an agenda that is trying to program this kind of fear and trauma into us? And are these justified fears? Or are they, is it just Hollywood programming so we don't question beyond that? It's a very good question and it's multi-complex in a way. The way that I've come to understand it is, first of all, as I talked about, some people will wake up to the fact they're interacting with these intelligences after a shamanic experience or a near-death experience. So for them, it's not so scary because they've had a different way in. But some of the souls, I, you know, when I'm talking about the soul agenda, um, will say, well, I, I, I call it the modern day shamanic wake up call when someone sees a UFO or has a, a being visit them or whatever. Absolutely terrified, without question terrified. And most of us know with a shaman, to be a shaman, you have to actually transcend your human fears so you can operate in a multidimensional reality. So this is what a trained, when the training with a shaman is. It's, it's transcending human fears. Well, this is exactly the same thing. Those that have had experiences and what was fascinating to me is how they can go from the fear place to a whole new un level of understanding once they're prepared to explore it and not run away from it or deny it. It's almost like um, it's challenging us to go to another level of um, acceptance of this is part of our reality. Because what have we got to, we, we're being challenged in our 3D consensus reality only to, you know, to stay in it, to stay in this 3D senses is the only tangible reality. Once you get challenged out of that, you're facing judgment, you're facing um, a limited psychology model, for example, and a very limited psych psychiatric model that says, sorry, as soon as you start, getting downloads of information or you're hearing voices or you're seeing things, there's something wrong with you. So there's fear as well. If I own this or I explore, I'm going to go crazy, aren't I? Um, I'm bound to go crazy. So all of that is part of it, not necessarily because what's done, but the fact that it's facing you with a new, broader reality paradigm that's challenging everything that you've ever learned. Mm -hmm. And believe is true and real. And, and your, you know, your baseline for your reality 
is is completely um if you like destroyed and you've got to start again with well what's real so the fear comes from a lot of different places some of it is if this is real what does it mean Mm -hmm. What does it mean about everything I've ever believed? What are people going to think of me? Am I going to go crazy? So these, these are parts of the fear that we have to transcend and face if we're to own that this is actually true. One of the things people need to know about, often people are scared by what may have happened rather than what actually did happen. The fear of the unknown. So often if they've had an experience and we explore it in hypnosis, what they may see is something different to what they imagined. And it's almost like too, if you only go part of the way, if somebody, for example, I take somebody uh, and show them they're, uh, they're having an appendicectomy, if they didn't know the reason for their appendicectomy, they would say, how terrible, what are they doing to me? How dare they? Oh, um, let me explain, you needed that because if you didn't, you would have died. Um, a similar kind of thing in the sense that because they didn't understand what the procedure's about, mm -hmm. and in hypnosis where you take them to the understanding, they may very well discover genetic material has been taken, but also a healing procedure has been done. Mm -hmm. And so what we found with our research and the Free Institute when we actually did a survey of 4,200 people, 600 questions, we asked them about some of the experiences they'd gone from fear to a completely different place because 50% of those 4,000 had healing on board spacecraft and wondered how they'd have an experience and then suddenly they felt well. And sometimes from severe illnesses like cancer. Now that's 50% of those. But the other thing we noticed, even with those that were terribly fearful to start with, once they worked through this expansion of their paradigm and reality and understanding, 85% had a psycho-spiritual transformation and would not go back to how they were before. Only 15% were in the fear place afterwards, and that can be related to other things as well. I won't, uh, I'll, if I have a chance, I'll mention my lab and other things. So this is the result. Um, and the other thing that people need to realize is why it's been so difficult to quantify in what we call the nuts and bolts of, well, they haven't brought back a piece of spacecraft, have they? And how can they prove to me that's real? Well, because what we've discovered is that only 25% of those having encounters is in a physical body. The rest of the time, it's out of body. 75% go out of body when they're going on spacecraft or they're going to other places or other dimensions. So it's much harder to quantify that experience in three-dimensional terms when only 25% is physical. But people say, well, how do you know it's real? And I'll say, because you don't change and transform after a fantasy and a hallucination. And these, this is really the reality. And the reality is the information downloads from science, quantum physics, origin of the species, understanding of free energy, all of these can be downloaded from these intelligences and are not just to adults, but actually to children and teenagers who have talked about their awareness of other realities, um, an understanding of themselves, their biology in a completely different kind of a way. But not only that, they start to manifest what I call expressions of contact 
which is they may start doing strange scripts. Mm -hmm. They may start to um, do straight, strange artwork, not only of the beings, but also um, what they call artwork that actually activates perception. Many different types of really unique artwork. Also, they may start articulating strange languages we call light languages or star languages, for example. There's others that are downloading frequencies through music um, and what have you. All of these are activated after contact. And this is why I say when people say, what is, you know, what is the, um, the proof? The proof is in how it transforms lives. And I mean, they, they often will change their diet, their lifestyle, they become less than materialistic, they may become very ecologically conscious. They met, you know, some of them said to me, Mary, I can't even step on an ant now because everything is conscious and I am connected to this consciousness now in a way I never believed or understood before. And so these are the things that I focus on because that's what's come out of this. And when you say, well, I don't, I'm not aware I consented to somebody taking me on a board a spacecraft and doing all these things to me. Mm-hmm. When I take somebody in hypnosis to an event, where they are on board craft, they're seeing the beings and they have an interaction with them and a communication. One of the things I'll say to them is this, have you on any level consented to this experience? And they usually say, yes, before I came here as Mm. a soul. Now, and then I'd say to them, does that resonate with you? And they'll go, mm, yes, but I didn't realize it was going to be so hard. Or it's been, it's been difficult down here or whatever. So for me, my work isn't about proving anything. My work is providing a space so people can work out and connect the dots to their experiences, their reality, their understanding of themselves to a, 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 a place where they can integrate this and, and become balanced and in harmony with themselves and their multidimensional selves. Wow. Tell us, please paint for us the picture of if we as a society continue to deny these types of experiences, what is the trajectory that we would see for humanity versus if we courageously and fearlessly open to these possibilities, what's the other world that we could create if we completely open to it? Can you wave the the two worlds for us? Well, yeah, in a way I can, in the sense that I think that many souls that have been coming down in recent times, and I'm talking about the older models like myself as well, because people say, what about us, you know? Um, I'm saying we all came down with a mandate, which is, I believe, a soul mandate, which is first to grow and to change and experience. But the other one is collective mandate for humanity. We've come down with a role to play in what I believe is a crucial part of humanity's evolution right now. And I believe these intelligences have um, been waiting for this um, evolution to happen so that they can connect with us in a more equal way so we become part of the galactic community. So there is a choice though, there's always a choice. And one of the good friends of mine that I mentioned in The New Human many times, Dr. Lena Olson, who's a molecular biologist, she's also an experiencer. She's also a letter person when we talk about the ADHDs, Asperger's, etc. And she said that her information 
was from these beings that we're separating out into two frequencies, low frequency people and high frequency people. And we're, some have made the choice to stay in 3D and others have made a choice to evolve to a higher level of awareness. And this is what we're doing right now. And if you can see the polarities, you know, on this planet right now of those that are still think war is great. And if you're, you know, and, and wanting to kill each other and you've got the other where they're saying, We've got to change what we're doing. We've got to start looking after this planet and the people on it that we're all part of each other. Um, and there's a completely different understanding of what, what is going on here. So in a way, I feel that is exactly what's going on, that we've made a choice whether or not we want to evolve as a soul in a human form, because it's, this, you know, it's the spirit that inhabits the body, not the other way around, in my view and my understanding or we say well we're going to stay in this 3d for this lifetime because for whatever reason it's serving that particular soul because i can't see it um, edith in any other way that we're a soul on an, a human adventure right now and we've come in to experience a, a material world but also not to lose our essence which is our consciousness our connection to each other and to the source of wherever we can, you know, is whatever that source is, you want to call it, you know, the universal source of the collective consciousness of God, whatever name you want to give that source that I believe we're all, all from. And, and for me, this is part of the choices we're making right at this moment and why it's so crucial now to own that we're not alone, to own that we are multidimensional because unless we do that, nothing makes any sense you know you go around and you think you're seeing reality but in fact you're looking through one eye and you think you know what it's all about when we've got two eyes and one of one of them is our multi-dimensional self that is in the quantum reality that is giving us our intuition is giving us um, a sense of who we are telling us about ourselves all of that once you open to that part of yourself everything else starts to make sense because you can start also communicating with these intelligence, whether you call them spirit guides, you want to call them your angels, you, you know, it, um, your higher self, your superconscious, doesn't really matter what name you give to that source, but that's the part of you that's accessing all the data that you need to operate healthily on this planet and to understand yourself and to understand who and what you are. Speaking of one eye, two eyes, actually about the, the third eye, um, tell us some of the unusual abilities of these children that you've been counseling and their families. Well, what's fascinating with the children until uh, if they're not closed down, they start talking about their special friends. And these aren't imaginary. These, they will have a form, they'll have a color. They will say what they're teaching them. They will say that they go with them on spacecraft or to other planets. One little eight-year-old was explaining to me how she'd been taken a few nights prior to a planet. She was shown how to levitate, how to use a third eye. She's also shown some interspecies um, hybridization going on where they told her that they, um, in fact, seed lots of other planets in this reality and other realities, other dimensions, for example. So they're being educated on board craft and on board uh, going to other places to the cosmology the true cosmology and also about the origin of the species they're taught how to do healing they're taught how to 
Some of them even taught how to read star maps and fly spacecraft, for example. So this is what I remember an eight-year-old explaining to me. Um, he came to my office with his mum, and he was only eight then. And he remembers saying, well, Mary, the mantis being are my family. They're my ancestors. And when I die, I'm going back to being a mantis. And this is the mantis being that doesn't look pretty to many people. But for him, it's family. And I, he said, when I'd gone on board craft with a couple of my school friends, he said, we're in a, a group and there's human children, but there's also other children that aren't quite human. And I said to him, well, how are they different? And he said, well, their eyes are a lot bigger. But so I knew they weren't the human children. He says, and we're taught to use our mind, our consciousness to do various things with it. He said, in, in a group and talk complex things. And I remember saying to him, what kind of complex things are you talking about? And he said, oh, he says, it's too complex for you. Right. Okay. There you are. Um, so obviously he was right because he didn't tell me, but the bottom line was that I said to him, do you ever talk to the other two school children that you know that went up with you um, and ask them about this? And he got very cross and upset. And he said, because mum would, wouldn't let me. And she said to me and him, the reason was I was afraid that you might have trouble at school if you start talking about this because I didn't want you to have trouble at school. But that was his, that was his annoyance, was that he wasn't allowed to talk to his school friends who he knew had been up on the spacecraft. But what I want to say to people is that it, this is his norm. You know, for him is what's the problem? And this is what I find with the children when they talk about their experiences and what have you. Um, I mean, when you have a five-year-old, a mother wrote to me only a, a week ago about her daughter saying, um, I'm here to make a, a change on this planet. People are going to know me. And she's already, she's speaking a language. She said it's like a, you know, like a star language and writing the script. And the mother afterwards said to her, what did you say? And she said, it's about you know, um, looking after yourself and looking after your physical body. And that's what the script says as well. Now, this is a five-year-old translating a language that is not a human language and also translating what she'd done in a script, um, strange symbols, if you like. So this, is, this, is some, this isn't out of the norm. I could give you an eight-year-old that's speaking the star languages, for example. So um, one mother wrote to me with a nine-year-old son saying they speak to each other in this star language, but my son knows what he's saying and I don't know what I'm saying back to him. Huh. This is what I'm, I'm seeing across the globe. This is not just one country or another country. This is, I'm getting emails from all over the world about children, about adults saying, what do we do? educators writing to me and saying they're meeting these children and seeing these children that are wise enough to realize there's something going on um, with them psychologists saying i'm seeing these children mary you know and, and many of them are saying they're completely different to the older mo models or generations of human because mm -hmm. their openness and their difference and their sensitivity also, Dr. Lena Alston talks about the fact that even with their physical senses, they're more sensitive to touch, hearing, sight. They've got a broad, broader spectrum of frequency so that they, um, that's why they behave so differently and how we're, we're looking at them and seeing them as potentially dysfunctional when in fact they're just 
more empathic. They're more aware. They're seeing more than you are. And they can't work out why you can't see what they can see. You know, um, and I was talking to a seven-year-old when I was in the U.S. And he said to me, oh, he says, Mary, I can speak dolphin. Do you want to hear it? And I said, I'd love to hear it. So he made all the sounds of a dolphin. He said, you know, I can tell when people are lying and telling or telling the truth. And I said, so how is it different then between one and the other? And he said, well, when they're lying, I go all cold. And when they're telling the truth, I go all warm. He also told me he saw Bigfoot and a few other things as well um, as part of his seven-year-old experience. But this is the kind of thing that the parents are coming across. But also, I mean, I'm just collating as, as data and, and looking at how amazing that they are. So as a parent myself, as you know, I have a five-year-old boy who has some interesting stories to tell also, and a brand new newborn who is right here on my pouch. The moment you said, your child gets taken away, I get anxious. As a parent, if our children start telling us stories like that, fortunately, my child's stories are about orbs that come here to visit us. And he's never said that he's taken away, that his orbs come here and teach him things and talk with him using their minds. And um, they play games and they play different, they bring, they bring their toys hmm. and come play with me at night. That's what he, he says. Yeah. Um, but what advice do you have for parents of these new children? What, when to worry and when not to worry? It's a good question. And I get a range of uh, the spectrum from parents that say my child isn't the least frightened um, uh, and talks about going to this school at night where they learn things about space and what have you without any fear whatsoever. Um, and, I, and because I've had my own experiences, they will say, um, I know that they're going to be OK. Um, and they talk about their special friends looking after them, etc. So there is no fear there. There are others that have been fearful. And sometimes that's because the parent is fearful and they will pick that up. And that, that is then, oh, my mum's scared or my dad's scared, so I must be scared. Not necessarily because something horrible has happened, but because they are, uh, their parents have been fearful for them. So there is that as well. And, uh, but there are some that have said that they've been visited by ones that are very loving, but also have been visited by ones that weren't so loving. And then they, it's, what do I do about that? And, and so, I, you know, I talk to the parents about the choices that the child can make, just like adults that say there are some uh, beings or energies I don't like, there are some that are very positive and loving and what have you. And I said, and this is what you can do. And many of them learn to have boundaries about what's okay and what's not okay for them. So it's teaching people how to manage their multidimensional selves. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember just pre, prior to our, our talk here that I was talking about a nine-year-old that speaks star language. He also told me that he'd learned to deal with these lower intelligences or entities um, and how to clear them. He'd been taught how to do that. He wasn't afraid of it. He just he, um, needed to know about how to do it. And he said, now I go out of body at night and I go to where other children have a hard time and I clear them for them. So we've got children here. We must remember, although in physical years may be very young, 
and uh, as an earth child but we're forgetting that they're coming in from places with perhaps advanced awareness as an you know, advanced soul that's coming in that is quite capable of knowing or being taught what they need to do for their their life's journey and the whole bottom line is for me is that if you ask me everyone that is born on this planet is born with the tools to deal with their experiences even though they may have lost confidence in themselves or whatever part of this is all part of our growth and our learning with parents i say love them support their experiences be there for them allow them to share whatever it is that makes sense to them you are then empowering them to know that they they're going to be okay because one of the things that I say, you know, if someone, you've been having these experiences as a parent all your life, mm -hmm. you're still here, you're still having kids, your head's still attached to your body. <laughs> you know? I'm being really kind of really pragmatic here. Mm -hmm. So if your child is having them, and if they understand what's going on, and they understand they have boundaries, they can say no if they're not feeling okay or whatever. Whatever it is to bring to empower them, at the end of the day, they're going to be okay too, because this is part of, you know, it's like you, you pragmatically again, when your child learns to drive, one of the scariest things is when they've got their own car and off they go, you know that and they're, they're literally driving a lethal weapon um, to themselves and other people. And I remember saying that to my adult children, remember you're driving a lethal weapon, you can kill people with this thing. But it's scary as a parent because you have no control once they're in that car and off they go. You have to trust that they will learn enough and be sensible enough to navigate the rest of their reality and their life and whatever. And the same goes for us coming into this planet is that we, I believe we have the tools, but what um, is my the problem with it is that we live in a reality that tells you that you're really no good at anything unless you've got pieces of paper. And everybody says that you're good enough. And that is my issue, if you like, with, with the programming on this planet is that instead of empowering people, it actually disempowers them by telling them that everything they do is wrong unless they've got, as I say, pieces of paper to tell them that they're actually good enough. And that's my biggest issue is, is saying to people, you are your own guru, your own teacher, your own student. You have everything within you. Let me help you to access that. A lot of your clients have been also labeled the letter people. Yeah. And you have some interesting new perspectives to share about what, what that really is and, and that there's a bigger picture kind of um, good news about our transition as a humanity. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, you're a brave lady Edith, um, in bringing in, because I know this is extremely controversial. Um, and the only reason ultimately that I needed to write about it, it was because it became to me crystal clear that something was going on when we have this huge number now labeled ADHD, yes. Asperger's, dyslexia, and some forms of autism, et cetera, et cetera. What's going on here? And the reason I got drawn into that was primarily because I saw adults that were having, you know, talking about the intergenerational link to having encounters, experiences with non-human intelligences. Mm -hmm. When I looked down that intergenerational link to the children, 
they were saying to me, I've got a child that's ADHD, or I've got a child that's dyslexic, or I've got a child that's got Asperger's or whatever. And I kept thinking, so if these intelligences are upgrading humans, consciousness and awareness, etc., why are we getting what appears to be dysfunctions? Because that's what we're taught, isn't it? You know, that these are all dysfunctional. We have to do, you know, um, they, they can't operate well in this reality. And the clue came when I spoke to a, a wonderful gentleman in um, Hong Kong called Neil Gold, who wrote the book, Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. And he had realized, he said, in his 50s, that he would have been diagnosed as ADHD as a child because he said, I always saw reality in a more complex way, more of a multidimensional way. And I thought there was something wrong with me. And he said, but then I realized that what I was doing was seeing more of the reality than everybody else. And he re-translated his ADHD into always dialed into higher dimensions because he said, that's what it really is. And then it, it clicked, okay, so if that's the case, the reason children with ADHD struggle with education and what have you is because they're a higher frequency and they struggle to lower that frequency to be programmed. Maybe, just maybe, these intelligences wanted that to happen because our 3D is inaccurate and limited and limiting and we are multidimensional and that's part of the problem. So if you wire somebody differently to a higher reality, they can't plug into the old paradigm that's inaccurate. Mm. So for me, it, was, it became blindingly clear that they've got attributes that we weren't recognizing. We were just seeing it as a dysfunction when in fact, if we look at what they're doing and experiencing, it's completely different. And there are ways to help them. As I asked Dr. Lena Olson, call them letter people, because she, she was one and she's an experiencer and she found that they needed more of certain vitamins and minerals, um, a, a different kind of diet. All those kinds of things would stabilize that higher frequency, which is what they are and what they're meant to be, which is the new upgrade human. The same goes with, with those that um, are, have Asperger's. They have got a, a greater sensitivity to a lot of the physical senses as well. And you know their stories are really fascinating. What I love about Asperger's, and again, I'm looking at what are they teaching us? And with an Asperger's, they say, oh, they're not very good at socializing. Mm -hmm. And it was an Asperger's that came to me that gave me the clue. He said, Mary, it's not true that we can't socialize. With each other, we socialize really well. He says, we just don't have the masks. We don't have that social conditioning that's not authentic. It's not re real. We, don't, we can't be bothered with that because it's not authentic. So they're teaching us wow. to be more authentic and get rid of the masks and to be real and honest. And that's what, what he was saying to me. And it was, it was, you know, this was, how do you raise consciousness? By reflecting to us where we're dysfunctional. And these, these children are actually doing exactly that. Yes. The dyslexic, they don't read very well because the way we've been programmed through our reading and educational systems. So, okay, so we make it harder for them to access that old, old program so that we can actually shift the consciousness there. So when you turn it around, what you're seeing as potentially dysfunctional may actually be a new way of upgrading us and stopping us from 
going back to the old programs that are no longer serving us. As we all know, they're not serving us anymore. We're not told the truth about a lot of things. And we're programmed into this old model of reality that does not fit the new, upgraded, aware, conscious human. Wow. You know, this reminds me, I have a client who has the diagnosis of Asperger's. And she says that in therapy, they try to force Asperger's patients to learn these social skills, such as make eye contact and be this close, but not too close, not too far um, when you talk with someone. And so they have to calculate exactly how to do that to fit a, a square peg into a round hole, so to speak. And she says, why did they make me do that? Because I don't have trouble making natural eye contact with someone whose frequency is clean and pure and at my level. Never. I never have trouble. But if they have a lot of distortions or entities and a lot of things going on in their energy field, it's very distracting. I don't know where to look. And I, it's just it's, it's so straining and exhausting for me to try to hold eye contact with such a person. And so it's not fair that we are asked to, to, you know, we're sensitive to all this information and we're asked to behave in a certain way as if we don't see all this information. It's just, it's just not right to have a world where therapy runs like that. Yes. And, and this is what we're not doing is talking to that individual and asking them, how do you see reality? Yes. Um, and what's interesting too is, you know, when they have um, synesthesia, it was considered a aberration, something wrong. Well, I think that when we go multidimensional, synesthesia is going to be the natural way we are. We will not just say, see a number um, five and, and see a color and see a form with it and hear a sound with it. It will be a, a multidimensional bit of information because that's what synesthesia is. And they're saying, oh, well, you, shouldn't, you should just see the letter five. No, multidimensionally, we're going to get all our, our awareness to actually see what that frequency of five actually is. And I think this is going to become more of the norm rather than, again, an aberration. What's interesting about the autistic child, and I'm not talking about the ones that may be instigated through various procedures, but the ones that are born that way. Mm. Um, one autistic girl was explaining why she didn't look at somebody else in the eye. Um, why can't you look at somebody else's in the eye? What is the problem with that? And she said, when I look at somebody in the eye, I'm seeing 10,000 images all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. This is not, you see, this is what I, I want to say is find out how they're seeing reality. And what is that saying? Is that really a dysfunction or is it just showing us more of our potential? who and what we are and where we're going, more of our understanding of our multidimensional abilities. As a nine-year-old said to me, Mary, human beings are amazing, but they've got to believe it first. So that's the start, is acknowledging our potential. And once we can acknowledge that, and it's way beyond what anybody ever believes is possible, and probably way beyond that, because we're only just discovering these children are showing us where we're going and and that's going to be exponential because of my interest in these kinds of topics my husband and i have chosen to homeschool 
our boy for now, for as long as it works. So we let him direct his schooling. And when he's interested in a topic, we support him with as many resources as we can afford to. And we also take interest and we learn together with him. So he's really taking the lead and he's teaching us new things all the time. We're kind of like facilitating a learning journey that is completely guided by him. But not everybody out there has the luxury like we work for ourselves so we can schedule our lives in such a way that this is for now working what do you imagine in the future if the planet is just covered with these children which is what my boy has shared with me that there's just a we these children are going to blanket the entire earth with their light and my new baby during pregnancy, I communicated with her via hypnosis. And she shared that it is because there's enough of us in previous generations that have shifted the entire humanity's consciousness that a new wave of, of children like her that have no names, they're not indigos or crystals or rainbows, they, they have another name that we'll discover later because we've set up a field in such a way that a whole new generation of a completely different kind of children are now coming through because it's pure enough. They're not interested in the old karma and drama and all this stuff. They're just interested in building that new reality where the old one is completely obsolete. So what do you envision with these kinds of children would be the education system? Will there be any kind of standard curriculum or will customized, personalized, educational learning journeys be the wave of the future? What do you think? It's a good question. It's what I'm passionate about. And I've talked to educators that I, I know are very aware of these new children and want um, a new way for them. The way that I have, have come to that I feel initially would be the, the best way to go is to provide an environment of love and support for these children to tell us what they most want us to know and learn so that we can provide for them what it is they need to do what they've come here to do. So it's not about us teaching them, but actually them teaching us so that we can provide what it is that they will need to do what they've come here to do. And so that will mean a complete openness to whatever unfolds with these children so that we can know what is best for them. Um, how that will unfold will be um, a, a completely new way because it really means we're going to have to give up with the adults we know best to the child saying, well, actually, I know why I've come in and what is best for me. I just need you to provide me with. Um, I'll give you an example of that. I was talking to a nine-year-old some years ago um, when I was talking to his father to start with, and he said to me, can I, well, he said, can I speak to Mary? Um, he instigated the com uh, communication, and I said, so why do you feel you want to speak to me? And he said, well, it's because of your frequency. And then he proceeded to tell me that he was from the planet Orion. He had been a light physicist and worked with time travel technology, and he was coming to this planet to help um, with, with a similar kind of understanding here on this planet. He said, but the scientists aren't very bright here. He said, <laughs> the nearest is, is Nikola Tesla. And he said, but he's still, I'm taking it to a whole new level. Now you tell me any school that's going to be able to provide to this boy, really, the information when I, even our scientists haven't got a handle on the physics that he talks about. So if you take that as a, a primary example, 
all we can do is listen and learn from these children and, and provide what we can when they ask us um, in a way that teaches them also how to be human. Um, because many of them, they'll say it's the first time they've come to this planet. It's very hard being in this density. So part of it is making sure that we help them eat well and look after themselves and how it works on this planet. We, that'll be our job as parents and teachers is to say, you know, this is how it works here. You can't just always do this, this and this. We actually have to do this, this and this. So that will be our job, how to be human but they will be teaching us how to be superhuman. Wow, that's so eloquently put. I often think because of my communications with my boy prior to his conception, I was clear that my job as his quote unquote mother is not the conventional thinking of parenthood. I see myself as a cosmic buddy who happens to have come to planet Earth and know a little bit more about the cultures here. So I see myself more as a, a tour guide, that my job is, is to show him a fun time and just ask him, hey, what kind of adventure would you like to enjoy while on planet Earth? But I also need to show you that here in this country, we drive on this side of the road and don't cross the street and get run over by a car and so on. You know, my job is to provide for basic safety and give him enough understanding of the culture of planet Earth so he can have a good time and fulfill whatever adventure that he wants to fulfill. Well, I mean, your son's very lucky. He's got a wonderful parent who understands and has experienced similar things. But not only that, you're very honoring of what he's telling you and you can understand what, what's going on for him. And that's what most parents ask me is, what can I do? How can I support? How can I help? And I say the most important is to listen and to love them and to, to support whatever it is that, that lights their fire. And, and really, that's, that's the main job. Nurture, care, love, listen. You know, and you're doing all of that. So, you know, no kid cannot help but do well with that kind of environment. Thank you for that. What about you? Have you had some direct contact experiences? <laughs> Mine has been slightly different. You know, when we talked about doing your spiritual journey and. Um, coming to being aware of this going on. Um, mine happened not because I, I'm aware of ever being on a spacecraft, um, even though some people have told me they've seen me up there. So um, it wouldn't surprise me um, that that's the case. But I learned some years ago in a group um, where I, was, I spent three years training multidimensionally to operate multidimensionally. And so you name it, I sort of um, learned how to do it. And it, to me, it was just, all it is is a reminder of what we can do in terms of operating multidimensionally. How do you connect to your non-physical world? And it, it, you know, intuition, sensing, feeling, knowing is all information. As soon as you, you start focusing on something, then you're going to get information uh, multidimensionally into the quantum field. It's, you know, it's simple, but... From that, you, you come to understand that there are um, beings, um, souls, um, non-human intelligences that support us on these other realms. So energetically, you can feel them if, you, if you're ready to. Um, and uh, clairvoyantly, you can see them if you're ready to. Um, you can hear them if you're ready to. You know, some people say, you know, well, I, I hear this voice in my head. Okay, so who is it? 
well, I don't know, don't you think it's time you found out? Um, because ultimately, this is their way of starting to connect with you. I mean, I've had certainly experiences where I've called in balls of light and they've appeared. And I mean, I, I, I've tested this out. So I'd really like to see a blue one. Can I take a picture of a blue one? Would you? And the, the next photograph will be a blue one. You know, um, I actually did a test with a friend and I said, I'm going to see if I can call one in and you can get a picture when I feel it because I don't see them, but I, I can feel them. And so I said, come on, guys, you know, do me a favor. I'd really like to, for you to show yourselves or whatever. And when I felt it was there, I asked my friend to take the photograph and a meter from my hand was a ball of light. So they're conscious. I know they're conscious. And I believe we, when we leave our bodies, are often in a ball of light, a Merkabar anyway. So when you ask about my experiences, my experiences is um, working multidimensionally, that I am aware I'm supported by what I call my non-human team. And they've shown me their form clairvoyantly. I don't see them physically. Um, I, see en I can see energy physically. Um, that's something I can perceive. But I've had to go with what I've sensed and felt. And the, the biggest test for me is when I will get information and I question it. And then I say, now you have to prove it to me. They'll prove it in some other way that it's got integrity, that's authentic, etc. And this is how I've operated. They've, um, I've given them a hard time, should I say, my team, and say, if you tell me that, now you've got to show me that it has integrity or whatever. So when you say, have I done that? I've done it in that way. Um, and I'm, I know some of them are from other dimensions or this reality too. But I help people to do exactly that. I say, isn't it time now you met your family? You know, you met the team that support you. This is how you ride the bike. This is where the, you know, where the brakes are. This is how you know it's this, that, and the other. Because most people, well, all people can do it, but it's about a lot of people forget that they have the, the ability to do it. And what I'm doing is reminding them how to ride the bike that they actually can already ride. What are all the barriers that we'll have to overcome to open to this, such as like our health, our nutrition, the kind of water we drink and, you know, so on. What advice do you have so that we can open more easily to all these possibilities? Well, a good way is to start meditating is, is one way to do it, because then you're going within. Um, it does help that if you don't abuse your body, so you, know, you look after yourself, try, you know, um, to be sensible about your diet you know, try and have a balanced diet. The same goes with whether you like a drink or two. Nothing wrong with that, as long as you're not abusing your energy field. Because the more that your frequency is clear, the more you can tap in to these intelligences that are around us, just waiting for us to be ready. They're just waiting. They, you know, you know that's what's so funny about when people come to me and they're already picking up information and what have you, but they haven't take the final step, which is, well, who are they then? Well, I don't really know, but it's very useful. And I said, well, you're talking to your best friend behind a wooden door. Don't you think it's time you found out who they are, what they are, why they're with you, and, and what is it that they're wanting to offer you? And have a conversation rather than just wait for things to happen. I said, because that's when you're growing up, when you start to be an equal in your relationship with whether or not it's your spirit guides, whether you see them, it doesn't really matter. If your belief system spirit guides, then spirit guides is fine. If your belief system's a bit of both, well, for some people an angel, somebody else it's a light being. It really doesn't matter. It's all in the same 
box, if you like, of the quantum field. It's how you want to interpret it through your vehicle, how you want to understand it. If you're more religious, you may see Jesus and Mary um, and angels. For somebody else, it will be a light being and it might be ascended masters or it doesn't really matter. It may be, you may think it's all your higher self, super conscious, and it may in fact be all of that. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's how it works for you. How do you want to ride your bike? And, you know, how do you, do you want to do tricks with it? In other words, do you want to start working with it in a very real way um, so that you can actually, you know, utilize more of your multidimensional awareness when you're doing things in your everyday life? Because it will help you understand so many more things once you've got the full picture. You can start joining dots, whereas before it didn't make much sense, you know. Um, so for me, it's empowerment. It's about showing them a way of connecting to that intelligence that's all around us, whatever you, however you want to interpret it, that supports everything you want to do on this planet, because that's what they're there for, is to help you on your journey, to help you be exactly what your soul chose to be when it came down here, and everything that you hope for your understanding. That is so beautiful and I'm so, so moved and so grateful for how you've distilled 30 years of information so elegantly into this journey that I think those of you that are fascinated by this conversation, I cannot recommend highly enough this amazing book that I gobbled up in a few days and then I immediately started reading it a second time. It's called The New Human Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. Highly recommend this book. Mary, tell us how you work with your clients. What is the form that it takes you work over Skype or Zoom and do counseling that way? Yes, all of that. Um, what's wonderful about technology is that it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, as long as you can speak English, then we can either do the counseling, hypnosis, or whatever it is, um, you know, we can work in that way. So it's been... The interesting thing with hypnosis, you know, you get some people very wary about doing hypnosis over um, Skype or Zoom. What happens if something, you know, untoward occurs? And I said, you know, it's no different because we're actually working in the quantum field. So, you know, um, energetically, I'm there with you. So there's no difference. And, and the interesting thing is if, it, if even if Skype or whatever shuts down, it just means they're not hearing anything, so they come back on again and we just take over again. Um, and it's happened a handful of times, but most times it doesn't. There's no way, uh, there's no limits actually to what we can actually do. Even connecting to their team, I do plenty of that. Um, Saying, so, right, now you're going to see what they want to show you, what they look like. Okay, right, this is what we're going to do. So I can do all of that. The hypnosis I do is not quite your standard. <laughs> by saying that it's, you probably guessed because I work multidimensionally um, I'm actually working on another level with hypnosis it's not just seeing the scene they want to understand what it is they're seeing how to interpret their interactions with them why they're having the interactions you can actually get them to dialogue with the intelligences in that space and so they can ask all the questions of how many times have you come to visit me? Why have you come to visit me? What does this mean? What are you doing now? What about my family? And they can have a conversation. Do you um, offer trainings to other counselors or hypnotherapists about your methodology so that many more of us can serve our communities in this way? 
I have only recently started to do that because it means that the hypnotherapist, I don't tra train anyone in hypnosis. You've already got to be able to do that. What I'm showing you is how to work multidimensionally. So you have to open up as a hypnotherapist to your multidimensional self so that when you're taking a client into that frequency, you're, you're with them in that frequency. So you are also getting information which will help you to maximize what needs to happen. So you, it's, it's almost, and I call it mists, which is multidimensional information in, in, in a superconscious trance state, which is a fancy way of saying you are going with them on that journey. And it was something that I learned I was doing without realizing it at the yeah. time was when they were saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this now and I'm already being shown it. Yes. Um, so it, it's a completely different level to standard hypnosis because you are literally getting information as well. I haven't disclosed this publicly ever. This is the first time. One of my early experiences is um, in 2009, I experienced a series of past life regression hypnotherapy sessions. The first three were human lifetimes, and the fourth one was a very clear ET lifetime. And these beings, I was amazed that I was not only not scared at all, but it was so beautiful, so pristine. The energy was so pure, and the beings were so benevolent. So I had never experienced anything like that in my human lifetime. And with each subsequent session with this therapist, I just took off into a, a level that I felt like when he spoke words to ask me questions, to prompt me to get answers, he was in a completely different, dialed into a different channel. And so eventually, even though I was getting a lot out of these sessions, I discontinued because it was easier for me to go into that state myself and, and without the constant ping-ponging back the channels to communicate with him and then be in that realm and back and forth. It was too cumbersome. That doesn't surprise me. Um, and I understand. Um, I'm going to tell you something that I actually experienced with a, a wonderful um, earth energies lady, healer, um, a good friend of mine, Felina Howfield. And we actually discussed this one session that we did together where she was exploring more of her experiences. And as she was going into the experience, um, she, she actually told, I'll, I'll go from what she told me afterwards. Um, she said, Mary, I've just listened to my session. She said, and, and what's, you know, I felt like I was going interdimensionally. And she said, well, what's happened uh, on the recording was the recording was having some, a little bit of music. My, um, my, may, may I speak my conversation with her and her conversation back? And she, it starts out with me going into this dimension, she said, Mary. And what I'm hearing on the tape, she said, is, that as you're go I'm going into the dimension, she said, all of a sudden, your voice changes as well because you're joining me. And she said, but the music stays the same. So on this tape, we had the normal music, but her voice took a completely different frequency. Mine was normal, and then mine went into a different frequency as well. So she said, we were both clear that we both went to wherever it was on a consciousness level to another dimension. Mm -hmm. and whatever for her to do the exploration and i think this is when we talk about the body being a portal um given the right frequencies or the right intent 
you can actually, and this is what, you know, some of the children have said, you know, that the body can be a portal. And I absolutely believe that certain, um, if you see certain artwork, it can trigger that as well. I've seen that happen. But as you say, it's like you're going on to two different frequencies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for me, when I became clear that something was happening with me when I was taking people into hypnosis was when a gentleman was saying to me, I'm an, a, I'm an ET. And he said, and I'm moving something big from one dimension to another. And in my head, I was told, uh, I heard, it's a planet. Then he said, it's a planet. And he said, and we've moved it too quickly and we've messed up its energy. And I suddenly realized that I was actually picking up similar information. Um, but what's useful with that is that when you've got somebody on a craft, there are many different ways you can go with questions. But what I'm guided to is what is the most useful, and then it will be get them to look around. There's something on the right. And I'll say, would you like to look around? I won't say any more than that. And I'll say, oh, there's something to the right. So I'm being guided to um, maximize the session to a point that, and I will actually ask, is there anything else I need to ask? And it will be, you need to ask this because that needs to happen as well. So I'm, if you like using my intuition, that, that source of help that I ask for when I'm doing a session, along with what I believe is their team, they're super conscious mm. as well as their conscious. So it is multidimensional in, 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 that, in that way that there's this cooperation going on between that, that super conscious of them and my own and the team. So that that way, I believe you maximize whatever it needs to happen because the superconscious say, this needs to happen now for this person right at this moment in time. And that's the intent that you put out. Yeah. It occurs to me that how you do hypnosis is changing. For me, how I do Chinese medicine has a different frequency. It's still apparently herbal medicine, acupuncture, manual therapy, lifestyle coaching, but it comes from a different frequency now. The way we do art, the way we do music, the way we operate and interact as humans is all the same, but is at a tuned into a different channel, a different station, a different frequency. We still communicate, but we communicate multidimensionally. You know, we still do healing, but we tap into all the layers. And that's, that's really the new normal that we're stepping into now. Yes. So I wonder, um, how can we continue to follow your work and support your work? Tell us your website, social media, and so on. Well, you can get me on Facebook, but also my website is acern.com.au or maryrodwell.com.au. Um, Google me. Um, the there's lots of YouTube presentations that give you more insight into my work and my understanding of what's going on on the planet right now with, with everyone. Um, and really that's it. Um, just go onto Google and it will come up for you anyway. Beautiful. And is there any way we can support your work? What's the best way to support you? Well, if you think that um, others around you are interested in what our connection to these intelligences are, just share your truth with them. If, it's, if it resonates with you, the most important thing that needs to happen because of the truth embargo on this is that um, there are lots of people out there having experiences that don't know who to talk to um, because they don't feel safe or they don't think it's acceptable. The more you own your truth, the more you give people permission to do the same because disclosure I think is going to happen 
and it's got, it's got to happen through the ground up because I don't know whether we're going to get the truth for a long time yet. So for me, the, the greatest gift you can give me is, and all those around me that are having experiences, is to speak your truth, to speak about your own experiences, to give people permission to say they see the elephant. Thank you. If you don't mind me asking, you are in retirement, or I, I hope it's not too personal to ask, you know, what you do is so unconventional. How do you have um, stable income and living and all those 3D things taken care of so you can just take these risks? Well, I had a word with my team and I said, look, I'll work for you for the rest of my life as long as I can pay my bills. And there's a little bit left over. I said, I don't need a yacht in the back garden because I actually can live very simply. I don't need a lot. So as you get older, you need less and less. So I said, and I don't even eat, need to eat a lot because I said, I don't need to get any bigger than I am. So that's all good. I said, but I do need a little bit left over for the kids in case they're in a muddle and I, can, I need to help them out. But I've been very lucky. I mean, I have, I have a pension, but on top of that, I sell books. You know, I still, my books... Um, are now in Hungarian and Portuguese as well as in English and um, both are going to be in Japanese very soon as well. I've got uh, some the new human into Chinese, another one's translating it into Taiwanese and I'm going to probably, I've got one potentially to be translated into German. That brings a little bit in. My session bring in a little bit as well because I do hypnosis uh, so quite honestly, I don't have a, an issue or worry. If I'm invited somewhere, they pay my airfare and hotel. Mm-hmm. As they, you know, as you get older, you need less and less. So it's not like I go and I'm not interested in getting fancy hairdos and doesn't. I'm not interested. I'm bored by those kinds of things. So for me, what drives me is understanding, is the mystery and. And so that feeds, feeds everything that I want. You know, I don't think I'd know what to do with lots. I tell you what I would do. If I ever came into lots of DOSH, I would open up an awakening center for the kids and for those waking up. If I ever had an opportunity with lots and lots, I would say, right, we're going to have a, some centers for these children to provide them with what they need. And for those waking up to learning about themselves and wanting to integrate all of this, let's provide a place for them as well. That's what I'd really do if I ever had an opportunity. It would be to provide places for people to go and be supported and for children to have a whole new way of being helped. That would be probably it. I would love to support in that vision. That's, that's what's needed right now. Well, you know, I've always said an awakening center would be for all the generations, depending on where you're at in terms of your life. You know, I mean, I was talking to a 60-year-old man not so long ago who had rung me up about his, he said, I've had lots of experiences you'll never understand. And I I said, well, look, I'm going to send you a questionnaire. So it's not your standard questionnaire. I said, tell me how you go with it. He rang me the next day in tears and he said, how do you know about my life? And of course, it had all been relevant to him and he'd spent 60 years on his own thinking it was just him. Mm-hmm. And this is why I would like to, why I said to you, I want people to talk about their experiences because the more you do that, the more you give others the chance to say, I'm one too. 
because so many people are afraid of owning what's really going on with them. They're leading double lives, literally. And it's because they're so afraid of judgment. They're so afraid someone's going to think there's something wrong with them. And in fact, they're the, they're the new ones. So if I could have places where people could go, that's what I would do. So Mary, I love so much chatting with you, but I know you're a busy lady and we've gone over time. Thank you for your generous sharing. I'd love to wrap up with the very last question, which is maybe the most important question of all. This show is about tapping into the highest levels of our human possibilities. And this conversation, without a doubt, has been all about that. But if you were to distill 30 years of research with these amazing beings that you've been interacting with, if you were to distill all of that wisdom down into one most important piece of advice. What's the number one most important thing we should know to tap into our highest level of human possibilities? For me, it, you know, all my work has been about encouraging people to access that awareness, that understanding of the greatest potential of who and what they are and, and, and who they really are. Is I would say to them, just know that you are here. You are here with all the awareness and abilities that you need to live this human life. And please, please give yourself the opportunity to be all that your soul wishes you to be. Mary, thank you so much. I think all of us listening, we're all energy sensitive beings and we can all feel this this immense love that you radiate, the purity of your heart, your intention, and this unwavering dedication of decades and decades of your life to this body of work. It's just hard to find words to express how much gratitude and respect and love I have for you and the mission that you've chosen to carry on in this lifetime. So thank you so, so much for your generous heart and all that you've shared. It has been absolute pleasure and you've got me mentioning things I don't normally mention. So that must be some uh, real tribute to you. But I want to thank you for being so courageous and brave in sharing everything that you've understood as well. And it's only because of people like yourself that are dedicated to putting this out there in this way that I get the opportunity to do what I do as well. So thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Mary. This is my boy. You want to say bye? Bye. Bye, gorgeous lad. Bye. Hi, friends. Did you love that interview? If you did, please leave a review and share with all your friends so that many more people can benefit from these game-changing insights. You can also go onto our website, dredithubuntu.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive free trainings and next-level ninja tools that we only share on our newsletter. Together, let's turn your life into a brilliant masterpiece.